0: Scripture reading this morning is found in Proverbs chapter 16. You turn there, we'll be reading that entire chapter. Proverbs 16. I appreciate her for playing that. Appreciate her for playing in our ministry at the uh, Milwaukee Rescue Mission and also for our men who are part of that. Um, ministry to Milwaukee Rescue Mission. Yesterday was our day and we praise God for the faithfulness there. I also want to thank God for those of you who drive to transport the men back and forth to Milwaukee Rescue Mission. It's a needed uh, p- a position. If we're going to minister to men, we need you to continue to serve and be faithful in, in that capacity and I praise God for that. If you're interested in helping in any way in that, uh, feel free to, to volunteer. You can, you can talk to Dale and and uh, he'll get you uh, t- um, plugged in into what you can do and as you can help in that area. Proverbs 6, our reading for this morning. Let's all stand respect to the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 16, I should say. Proverbs 16. Thinking about the ant and the sluggard, that's 6. <laughs> Proverbs 16. <clears throat> The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. An oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, wise man will appease it in the light of a king's faiths there's life and his favors like the clouds that bring the spring rain how much better to get wisdom than gold to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver the highway of the upright turns aside from evil whoever guards his way preserves his life pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who who purses his lips brings evil to pass gray hair is a crown of glory it is gained in a righteous life whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city the lot is cast into the lap but its every decision is from the Lord may God may God guide us in this reading and our understanding and applying his truth to our lives today we look at the topic of of God's character, and uh, we'll be looking at many of the verses that are in this chapter and as well as throughout the, the book of Proverbs. Let's take a moment now as we pause for prayer. After a word of prayer, a choir will come with special music and then the preaching of God's word. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. We think back a week, and all over the city and this state of uh, snow, had uh, made a stop to many plans, and yet now we we enjoy warmer weather, more more like springtime, the snow is melting. We give you glory for all things, Lord. Help us to be faithful in the sunshine and the rain, the cloud and the bright skies, whether it's snow or not. Help us to be faithful in, in living and walking with you. So bless your faithful people here today. We pray, Lord, that your word will speak to our hearts. You will guide us through your word. You will challenge and motivate us in living for you and being faithful for you. May you get the glory in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Brian and Heidi are gone to uh, Risen Hope at uh, Random Lake and are there to uh, present the play that's coming up and so we'll miss them this morning but they'll be back with us this evening so we welcome them back then again next week Brian will be speaking in Sunday morning um, service so look forward to having him filling in the pulpit at that time I'll be here but he'll be speaking as the uh, we've been doing alternate um, months the last Sunday in the month uh, giving him opportunity to speak <clears throat> today we look at um, one of the the last uh, portions or last topic in Proverbs covering chapter 10 through 30 we'll take a break of course next week and then Uh, wrap things up with um, Proverbs 31 um, and spend some time there. But today we chose to read chapter 16 because we're going to deal with the topic of God's character. God's character. So we covered those first seven. Uh, We did go a little bit out of order with number seven. Uh, And today we look at God's character. It's interesting that Proverbs really takes on... The uh, responsibility—the same responsibility that a father and a mother have to their children—that is to prepare their children for life and for eternity. Uh, the same thing. That's what Proverbs is doing for us. It's preparing God's children for life and eternity. And there's so so many practical um, truths that that need to be taught, uh, and that are taught in Proverbs. That we do well to pay attention to but one of the in fact i've listed them in that order for a reason and that's because they're listed in the order that deals um, that most of the verses deal with and so the biggest section of proverbs is the righteous and the wicked there's most of the verses in that section deal with that and the fewest verses deal with god's character but as you know that doesn't necessarily tell you anything in terms of the importance it just speaks of the brevity for, or, or the amount of words or verses that are used per topic. One of the very um, important topics that is woven throughout Proverbs and you can see how it's important for our lives is that we need to understand something Uh, If we're going to live the way God wants us to live, we need to understand how man is, how he's made up, how he works, um, uh, his basic sin nature, the weaknesses. We need to learn something about man. We need to learn something about sin. We need to learn much about God. And we need to know how God is working through uh, these areas and how we can learn to look for him, and learn to see how he operates. And so this last topic deals with God's character. We're going to, uh, first of all, look at what the Lord does. What the Lord does. And this isn't taken in any specific order, but I want you to get, get a glimpse of some of the things that Proverbs presents that shows us or teaches us something about God Himself. Let's look at a few. I'm going to... This first slide is is an indication of how we'll be doing things we've done in the past. We'll list the reference there, and I'll I'll, uh, depend on you to turn to each one of those, and we'll be reading those. We'll elaborate on some, and some uh, we won't spend a lot of time on. But Proverbs 16.2 says... All the ways of man, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. That's an interesting thing. This is what God does. He weighs the spirit. In other words, he is able to look past just the physical and what may be apparent on the external, and he weighs the spirit. You remember in the Old Testament um, when Samuel was instructed by God to find a king for Israel. Samuel looked and, 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 and he basically said, Lord, this has to be the man. He, he's he's, a, he's a, a great model for a man. And God says this, man looks on the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. The reason why we need to understand that is that God is not impressed with our fakes. With, with our outside appearances that's made to, to, to impress man. God is not impressed with that. God is looking at our heart. He knows how we think and what we think, what our motivation is, and God is looking at that. And so we see that there in, in, in Proverbs 16:2. We also see, um, if you follow the other verse, Proverbs 21:2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We often justify what we do and what we think, but God looks past that, the excuses that we make, and he weighs the heart. Secondly, look, God punishes the arrogant. In Proverbs 16:5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Now, that is an absolute truth in Proverbs. We said we have to be careful about uh, um, labeling things as absolute in Proverbs. It deals with man. It, it may deal with general tendencies. But this is an absolute. God punishes the arrogant. He, he, he said, Be assured he will not go unpunished. It's important for us to understand that doesn't always happen in our lifetime or even here on earth. But God will, as a just one, Uh, uh, punished he weighs the hearts he punishes the arrogant he searches and tries man's innermost thoughts he searches and tries man's innermost thoughts proverbs 20 27 says the spirit of man is the lamp of the lord searching all his innermost parts think about that he's talking about a lamp and he's like shining a spotlight so he can see all that's there. But notice what the lamp is. The spirit of man. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all his innermost parts. And so I will put in here that he searches via the conscience. By way of the conscience, God searches and tries man's innermost parts. Thoughts. God has placed in us a conscience to remind us of His truth. To remind us of His truth, and He's saying that that conscience is like a lamp that is going back and searching. You see, see today people often uh, they don't understand how man works, and they don't understand how God works. And to today, in in our uh, our volatile society, we talk about transgender and people who who claim, uh, who are born men who want to be women. And, and that was a big thing now saying, you know, don't judge me for being transgender and don't put a guilt complex on me. It's, a, it's an absolute fact. There's a high suicide rate amongst those who are transgender. And the claim is that that's because this moral Judgmental society is always making them feel bad. Well, they don't understand how God works. What's happening is their own inner spirit is judging them. God knows what he made. The Bible says he, in the beginning he made male and female. And he made them that way. What happens is their inner spirit begins to judge their consciousness. Their conscience, I should say, judges them and condemns them. Now, the conscience is not always a, a, uh, a perfect or, or right source because the Bible teaches us that the conscience can be seared or it, can, be, it became, can become numb to what God's Word says. But the fact is, God uses that conscience. He's placed that in us. That's why a person normally, when he does something wrong, will feel bad or feel wrong about doing that. Now, he can violate his conscience by doing wrong over and over again to where his conscience is really not uh, dependable. He's not listening to that anymore. You know, a person lies the first time to go, oh, I can't believe I said it. Oh, I got away with it. And then they lie again. It becomes easier and easier and easier to do. They're violating their inner conscience. But, the, but, but God has put that conscience in, and so we reject it. We take pills so we don't have to listen to the inner voice within us that God has placed there to tell us what is right. We drug ourselves. We get drunk with alcohol. We we go on vacations. We go on parties. We do all kinds of things, all kinds of things to try to forget. We hate people who remind us of the truth. The fact is this is all from God. And there's a couple of things that that I think tie into this, and I want to take some time to look at it. Remember in Psalms 119, 105, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Notice what he's saying. Your word, your word, God's word is is what guides and, and points the way for us. It guides us, and it can guide and it can condemn us when we go the wrong way. I have a street by my house. It's a one-way street, but oftentimes people just ignore it. They come the wrong way down a one-way street. And if I happen to be going down that street, I tend not to move over. You in the wrong. Don't act like I should move over. You in the wrong. You going the wrong. I point to the sign. It says one way. They want to go the other way and make me feel bad and I should get out of the way because they want to go wrong, down the wrong way on a one-way street. It's not a the picture of the world? It's not a the picture of the world? I want to do wrong. I want to run all over you, and I want you to not tell me I'm doing wrong so I won't feel bad. In fact, I want you to feel bad for saying anything about it. God's Word is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. When you're trying to sneak into a house and steal it, steal stuff stuff from it, you don't want a lamp and you don't want a light. You don't want that spotlight coming on and shining on you and saying, you don't belong here. What are you doing there? We don't like God's Word that way. So, of Psalms 119, so, excuse me, Psalm 119105 105 tells us that. But also in Romans 2, verse 14 and 15, some interesting things that it says there. I'm gonna take some time to turn to that. Romans 2, verse 4, 14 and 15. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. What is he saying here? It says, those who don't know the Lord, and they don't have God's word hiding in their heart, they still, by nature, know right and wrong, even though they may not have learned the Bible as you have. God has written something into their heart. Look at verse 5. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. So God has two things. He's written the word of God on the human heart. I think it has to do with, with uh, um, in Genesis 1, it talks about we are made in the image of God. Every human being is made in God's image, and so every human being has what we call an innate sense of right or wrong. They get that from their maker, God. God is placed, basically it's written here as his law in their heart. Then it says this, their conscience as well. Their conscience, it says in verse 15, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness... And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So their conscience acts to remind them, and it either excuses them, like you're okay, or or accuses them and saying you're wrong. And that's what what the conscience does. And so it says here, on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But God is going to bring men, bring human beings into judgment based on what He's written in His Word, based on what He's written in their heart, based on how their conscience has either agreed with that or disagreed with that, and based on their actions. God watches, he sees, and he destroys the wicked. Proverbs 21, verse 12, and then 22, 12. 21, 12 says this, the righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. So he, he's watching. He's watching. He sees what happens in twenty-two, twelve. He says, "The eye of the Lord keep watch; the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge." But He overthrows the words of the traitor. I see what God does there. Proverbs twenty-four, ten through twelve. Here we see that God assesses man's personal responsibility. It's interesting, A couple of verses. I want to read them. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. So what he's saying is, you need to do what's right. You need to stand for what is right. And if you can't do that, you're weak. Don't be weak. Stand for what is right. Stand for what you know is right. But then he says this, verse 12, read verse 11 again. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Don't stand and act like you didn't see it. Stand up and do what's right. Then look at what he says in verse 12. If you say, behold, we did not know this, you try to justify yourself, "I, I didn't know what was happening. We do that all the time, don't we? I I didn't know that woman was being robbed. I I wasn't going to get involved if I did know. He says, if you say, Behold, we we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? I like these questions because these questions... Give us information about who God is. Notice what he says. If you say, behold, we did did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Two things he says there. First of all, God weighs the heart, right? Does not he who weighs the heart, weighs the heart, perceive it? God weighs the heart. In other words, God is looking at what we think and our motivations, and he perceives. He sees through our excuses. That's what he's saying. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? He knows when you're when you just talking smack. He knows it. He knows when you're making lame excuses. Notice what he says. Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? He's saying God keeps watch over your soul. That's a comforting thing for those who... Who have that relationship with God, those of us who know God, that's a comforting thing. God is watching over our souls. But He doesn't just watch as an observer who doesn't do anything, He's going to act on that. Does not He who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will He not repay man according to His word? Two things there He will repay man. God says, Don't take vengeance, but he does say this, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God will repay. And then the second thing there in that phrase is he will repay according to man's work. In other words, he's going to give people what they actually deserve based on how and what they did. God's going to be a right judge. Now, that's not not, uh, said to be of a comfort to people. People always think we know God knows my heart. Be careful. He really knows your heart. So he's not buying excuses, and he's going to pay um, based on what people actually do. Not what they think they do or how they make excuses for what they do, but how they actually live. Next, we look at that God is sovereign. We looked at what God does. Now let's look at the fact that he is sovereign. This is pointed out in Proverbs in many ways. It says this in Proverbs 16, 4. That's why we read chapter 16 today. It has so many verses that apply. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. Wow. You really, You really let that register in your heart? God is sovereign over everything. He created the wicked, even the wicked. It says he did that for the day of trouble. You look at the crucifixion of Christ and you wonder, why did things happen that way? And and this guy, Judas, what what is his purpose? He was one of the disciples, one of the chosen one, uh, one of them, but he wasn't real. He, He was... He was a wicked sinner. God chose him for the day of trouble. Now, some people have a problem with that. Remember the the slide we showed before that God assesses man's personal responsibility? He does. And so he's right to judge because he knows exactly the heart. He knows where that dividing line is between your responsibility and what god has done and what god has determined he knows how to split that just perfectly and i don't have a problem with him doing it in the way that he does it in the way that he pleases that's what we call sovereignty he is god he does as he pleases here's another one god controls chance proverbs 16:33. it says this the lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast in the lap. You know, the lots were away. It's just like our dice today. They would roll dice and they would use that. Uh, just like today, uh, we would maybe flip a coin to, to, uh, to break a, a stalemate or a tie that, that people might have. So, okay, your point is just as good as mine. So let's just flip a coin. Heads you win, tails I win. And let's just flip a coin. This is the same way, a lot. And it says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. In other words, this, God is sovereign even over chance. We say, well, doesn't chance happen? Certainly it happens. But does God control that? He certainly does. He's in control of everything. Now, we got some believers who want to say, well, in that case, let me go to Potawatomi bingo. Certainly, God will have me win. Will he? Really? Let me go to Las Vegas. I belong to the Lord. Well, see if you belong to the Lord. You won't be thinking that way. Read through the other things in, in Proverbs. You realize that God wants you to work diligently for what you have and not look for an easy way out. God is not looking for your comfort. He's looking for you to do what is right and honor him in doing that. Says, even a chance is not a surprise to the Lord or is not out of his control. You realize that that, that was exemplified even on the cross? The soldiers said, Hey, let's take his, his coat and let's split it in half so all of us can have it. And it says, No, the word of God says you won't even tear his clothes. So, no, let's not do that. Let's cast lots. Let's flip a coin, let's roll the dice, and whoever wins get the whole coat. That's what they did. God controls even chance. You know, they tried to toy with Jesus, even on a cross. They blindfolded him, and, and one of the soldiers would come, and they would smack him upside the head and say, Now you prophesy and tell us who hit you. They thought that was fun. They thought that was cute. What if Jesus said, I know exactly who who hit me, and and I'll take care of you in the judgment? A face would have just turned white. But that would have been true. God controls all things, even chance. Let's look at a few other things. God's purpose will stand. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I'm comforted by that, aren't you, believers? It's the purpose of the Lord will stand. A lot of people want to do their own thing, and it seems like they got the power to do it. But know that God's purpose will stand. We rest on that. That's why we need to understand who God is. And how what he controls so that we would learn to stop fretting at night and learn to trust in him and rest in him. Now that's not something you just get and and and, and have completely and never get challenged again. That's an everyday. We walk by faith. So every day you're challenged to learn to let go of your fretfulness and your worry and to actually trust in God but the Bible gives you all the evidence to do that and here's part of it God's purpose will stand he saved you for his purpose do you know that that will stand so you don't have to fret in the middle of the night am I saved is God gonna keep me am I gonna be okay you can stop fretting as you trust in God and his purpose by the way where does he reveal his purpose what is a comfort to us we take in his word because it is where he shows his purpose and his will and that is a comfort to us. God has created both the hearing and the seeing. That's another way to say that that all that God has placed he's under control and he makes no mistakes. There's another one I'm going to skip down a little bit, but let's just take it in order since it's on the slide. God controls rulers. Look at Proverbs 21:1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. The adult Sunday school class went through um, uh, part of the book of Daniel, and you certainly see that, that Nebuchadnezzar was a king that God used for his own purpose. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. He controls rulers. And that same chapter in verse 30 shows that God is invincible. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Isn't that good to know, saints? There's nothing that can be planned in Washington. There's nothing that can be planned in Madison. There's nothing that can be planned in City Hall. There's nothing that can be planned in any of the governments of this world that can go against God's plan and God's standard and God's purpose. It won't work. It won't stand. We take comfort in that. God creates both the rich and the poor, verse we've looked at before. Look at this one on 29, 13. He allows both the poor and the oppressor of the poor. Now we think oh, that ain't right. Why does God allow so much hurt in the world? Why does, why does so much wickedness goes on? It's, well, it's, if you want to try to answer that and say, well, you know, you know, some people have this weak answer that where well, God is good and he's trying his best and he's going to overcome eventually, that's a weak answer. That's a portrait of a weak God. He, he's subject to... To, to all that Satan does. It, it kind of reminds me, you know, you watch the cartoons and you watch these superhero movies and, and uh, it, I remember as a little boy seeing this movie of, of Superman, right? And so the bad guys come on and Superman is, is trying to do, especially when it comes to Lois Lane, right? He's trying to do everything he can to save his people that, that he loves, right? And so Lois Lane is on a plane, excuse me, she's on a a train and the train is going through the mountains and it goes over this bridge and it's overpass and somebody blows up the bridge, right? And this train is about to go off and Superman got a quick fly over there, right? And pick up the plane before it goes off the bridge that's torn up and while he's doing that, the bad guy, you know, like takes a bus and, and throws it across the street. So Superman is like, he, you can see him, he's like, uh-oh, what do I do now? I put Lois Lane down real quick and I fly over here and I take care of this bus, right? It is, uh-oh, what do I do now? And somebody, sometimes people picture God like that. Like he's subject to, uh uh-uh, and he can't keep up with all the wickedness that Satan would do. And in fact, they picture him as if he could, he would. He's trying his best. So just hold on a little bit. And God'll get there when he gets time. That's their picture of God. That's not a biblical picture of God. Because see, see, they, they want to have this thought that God is just good and he'd never let anything bad happen if he had control over it. That's not the picture of Scripture. God allows evil to happen. He allows both the poor and the oppressor of the poor. Now, you might not like the way that sounds. Doesn't matter. God is not the makeup of your mind of how you want to make him. He is who he is. Whether you like it or whether that jives with your way of thinking or not, God is who he is. He allows both the poor and the oppressor of the poor. If you read this verse, 29, 13, the poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Why would he do that? Why would he allow that? Well, you get to ask him that, perhaps, perhaps when you get a chance you can ask him that. I'll be so busy praising and thanking him for me being part of his plan that I won't have time to ask all of that nonsense. I just say, God, I know you're good and you do whatever you please. And I worship you for it. I worship you for it. But if this says something else that's important for us to know as believers, Not all things are perhaps as they seem. We want to say good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And we simplify things and sometimes even teach our children that if you just do right, good things will happen. You need to understand, no, not all the time. The world is not quite like that. There are wicked people who continue to do wicked things and they get away with it that's the world that we live in god knows god sees and he has chose to delay his judgment and his action for whatever his reason is i don't have to answer for god i don't have to take up for him i don't have to defend his ways i just understand what the word of god says about him and I stand for that. And I see well, the Bible, the portrait the Bible picked, uh, paints of him. But in the same chapter, would you look at verse 26? I'm in Proverbs 29, 26. Many seek the favor of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you in court. Right, and we think that that ultimately is justice well if you have a just court and that they are able to see all the evidence perhaps they'll make a just determination but that's not the case all the time they don't always see the evidence didn't you learn that in school? did you learn that in school? I learned that I'd be sitting there minding my own business doing my work and all of a sudden somebody throw a pencil and hit me in the back of the head Right? I turn ow, I turn around and the teacher get me for hollering. I said, didn't you see him do that? No, she didn't see it. I'm in trouble for yelling in class, right? Right? That happens. That's the world we live in. But God sees, God knows, and God does in his own time. You're challenged to trust God. Justice comes ultimately from him. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it's from the Lord that a man gets justice. So when I was in that class, I had to turn around and say, you're going to get yours. It's going to come. I might not see it. If I get a chance, I'm going to give it to you myself. I might not see it, but it's going to come. And God sees what you do, and he will act. But here's some of the things that really, really just uh, strike me when I look at Proverbs. And that's this. His mysterious working behind the scenes. There's this mystery of how God works. And this is what, he does it perhaps because he, he wants us to really trust him. That he's doing things that we can't always see and he's working in areas that that we don't always know about and there's stuff that we don't even understand that we have to give over to him and just trust that he's doing what he says he will do. And so it's a comfort to see how God does these different things. He he works in mysterious ways behind the scenes. Look at Proverbs 16.1 that we read that, But I want to Look into it a little bit. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. What he's saying is that people plan and they scheme and they intend and they they make, work all these ideas together, but it's the Lord that brings about the response as he desires. He controls even man's response. That's a comfort to me. God is about the details, He is working in every sense and in every way. Look at a couple other verses that that speak to that. Same chapter, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. How is it that God can make my enemy be at peace with me? He does. He has a way of of, of doing just that. Um, If I can, I'm going to turn to another passage Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. Ecclesiastes 2, 26. I'm kind of going off my script from the, from the slide, but I want you to look at this verse. You have it. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner. He is given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. You see what he's saying there? God takes what the wicked person is doing and he allows me sometimes to be the beneficiary or or get a blessing from that. To the person who doesn't even know God, God uses to bless those who know him. I've used this illustration before. A Jewish businessman walked into our church, and he says, I've got some property. I said, I I ain't got no money. I can't buy your property. He said, no, you don't understand. I want to give it to you. Now, I thought, why do you want to give it to me? But I thought, God does what he wants to do. God does what he wants to do and he uses whoever he wants to to do it with and that's exactly what he did he gave us, the church, that property and God was able to bless us in many ways with that very, that very thing that same chapter, Proverbs 16 again verse 9 and verse 20 I'm sorry verse 9 and then chapter 20 verse 24 verse 9 says the heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps the Lord establishes his steps in other words you You might try and plan and do this, but it's God who actually brings it about and makes it happen. In chapter 20, verse 24, it says it this way, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can men understand his way? (laughs) God is working in some mysterious ways behind the scene, and and he's working uh, for our good, and we praise him for that. We don't understand how it all happens but he's doing it <laughs> chapter 1633 we already we already looked at but bears looking again The lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord God is working again behind the scenes in, in ways that we don't always understand how that happens or how that works out but he's there he's working he is able In. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Now, here's here's an interesting thought to us. It certainly is teaching us that God is the one that ultimately brings the victory. But notice what he says. You have a part in it too. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. He's saying you need to do what is your responsibility to do. See, if you're a king and you have an army and you know that there's another army coming at you, get your horse ready, amen? Get your horse ready. But know that it is the Lord who gives the victory. And so God has called believers to trust in him by acting, but don't assume that you have the power to bring victory yourself. That comes from God. But don't assume that you shouldn't act in faithful ways. You say, I'm praying for God to give me a job, and I'm going to sit at home and do nothing until he gives me that job. No. You're going to get nothing. Is God able to bring it to you? Yeah, But he expects you, he's giving you the responsibility to get the horse ready for battle. The horse is made ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives the victory. God's still working in mysterious ways, and yet he requires his people to act faithfully and therefore show their trust in him. Here's another mysterious thing that God does in Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things. (laughs) You see that. You study scripture, you understand that fully. God conceals a lot of his truth. Even to us, it's concealed. Again, the Sunday school, adult Sunday school class, going through the book of Daniel, understood that God gave some information in a coded way to Nebuchadnezzar, but then gave it to him so he couldn't understand it. And then he gave it, then, then he withheld all of that information from all the other uh, 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 magicians and, and sorcerers and all those who practice magic. They couldn't get it. No matter what they would have done, they would not have gotten it. God conceals wisdom even from Satan himself. 1 Corinthians tells us that had he known, he would not have had evil men kill the Lord of glory, kill the Lord Jesus Christ. He, He didn't, even though all of God's word is available to Satan, just like it's available to us, he doesn't get it. And even if he was to get it, we saw the verse that says, nothing can avail against God. Nothing works going against God. God does conceal knowledge. We're going to deal with the second part of that verse now as we look at this second part of this last part of understanding God. Throughout the book of Proverbs, um, there's a lot of references to authorities, those in authority. And I think that's given to us so that we might understand something about God in fact authority works in our lives for that reason the reason why we should respect and honor authority Sunday school we we learned about the Ten Commandments we see honor your mother and father the reason for that is all authority ultimately points to God and we show honor to God by honoring our authority now who is on God's level no one Who is the perfect authority other than God? No one. But that does not negate the fact that we've been given a responsibility to honor and to obey authority in our lives. So Proverbs uses this authority to teach us something about God. So when you see something as a reference to one in authority or king, learn something, see there's something that teaches you about God. Let's look at a few of them. In Proverbs 14.35, you probably already turned there while I was talking. It says, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. Now I know what we call this on our jobs, right? call it kissing up to the boss. But it says, no, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor. So, in other words, you ought to take this as practical wisdom. That those who are in authority over you, you would be wise to be respectful to them and to be wise towards them. But that's true because it's ultimately true about God. You would be wise to understand who God is and to to. Put yourself or act accordingly. You'd be foolish to do anything else. So he says there, again, a servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. The king has the ability to bring about his wrath on those he doesn't like. So be careful with that. Look at chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. So many references within this chapter 16 is why we read it this morning. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. That's just that's just smart. But you see, people all the time, this whole Black Lives Matter was based on authority is wicked and we ain't got to listen to it and look how they are hurting all of us. But this basic premise is that, look, if you do what's right, for the most part, you don't have to worry about that. For the most part, 99.9% of the time, you won't have to worry about that. You do what's right. Now, I know people want to point out those rare percentages when that doesn't happen. And you know what I say about that? That's the world we live in. We live in a wicked world where that happens. And by the way, that happens whether you black or white. Injustices happen. But he says the principle here is how do you act? A king's wrath is a messenger of death. A wise man will appease it. Verse 15, in the light of a king's face there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. In other words, his favor is refreshing. His favor is to be sought. His wrath is to be shunned. And you'll be wise to act accordingly. Proverbs 16, verse 10. An or- oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment what is this saying there? A king can't be wrong. We know that's not true. But what it's saying is, bring up the slide, his judgment is supreme. Whether you like it or not, I I like watching it yesterday. Man, Saturday, this time of the year is just great for me. Right after March Madness, now I get into the basketball playoffs and the beginning of baseball season. And so I got my little, I'm sitting on the couch, and all I do, I click from the Brewers game to the Bucks game. I'll click from the Brewers game to, to something in the, in the playoffs. Here, I, here, here's what I like about baseball. And you know, all the technology, now they show you on the screen what the strike zone is, right? You see that little t- rectangle, right? Show you what the strike zone is. And you see the batter there. And he looks at a pitch and he takes. He doesn't swing at it. And he doesn't like it. He thinks it's a ball. And the umpire says, Strike. You know what he does? He goes back, look at the umpire, like complaining like, you know what? It don't matter. He wants us to look at the, look at the video, replay it, that was a strike, that was not a strike, man, that was a ball, you called that a strike, that was a ball. Guess what, the pitcher is doing the same thing. Dude, that's a strike, that ain't a ball, that's a strike. Guess what, the pitcher's opinion don't matter, the batter's opinion don't matter, the catcher's opinion don't matter. He called it a strike, You out! You out! You ain't going to change that. Even with all the instant replay, it still leaves some things up to the judgment of the umpire. He's out. The, the, the king's decree is supreme. And once he said it, that settles it. That's it. That's teaching us something. See, we need to teach our children that because there's a lot of people who think they're going to get to heaven and, 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 and be able to, to uh, 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 amend what God is doing? Uh, I want to challenge that. <laughs> who do you think you are? Where do you think you are? Ain't no challenges in heaven. You ain't no football coach throw the red flag and say, I want instant replay. By the way, God going to have instant replay because his judgment is perfect. But the fact is, we don't get to challenge. We'd be smart to accept even the wrong against us rather than disrespect authority in challenging. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a way and an attitude and a proper way to challenge. But the principle there is recognize when the king has spoken and recognize when he's not going to change his mind. And you are not going to gain any more points as interest. I, like I said, I, wa- I watch baseball. When the catcher is up to bat and he doesn't like to call, he's very careful what he says to the umpire. You know why? Because when he goes back on the field, he's got to catch the ball. And he wants the umpire not to be mad at him and take anything out on him for his pitcher's sake. So he wants to be respectful. That's a lesson in life, isn't it? That's a lesson in life. Same chapter, 16, 12. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. You see, at the same time, it says this, that those who are in the positions of authority need to die. Do what's right and what do we learn about God there is he is going to do what's right it is his throne is established by righteousness that's a comfort to us because in this life we don't always get that we don't always get that I got a truck this summer got insurance for it and went out in the, in the driveway this week and windshields cracked. Call my insurance company. I see all these commercials on TV. Certainly y'all gonna cover that, right? I'm sorry, sir. You have the wrong insurance plan. Just like the commercial, you're gonna, no, I ain't got the wrong insurance plan. I got the wrong insurance company. (laughs) You go, I've been paying all insurance all this time and y'all ain't gonna cover That's why we, we, we love the Lord, because his judgment is supreme, yes, but it's always righteous. He is righteous. We can thank God for that. Proverbs talks a lot. and We won't get into all those verses there. There is so much established in a kingdom where the king is righteous. That is so true. What about in your home? Do you recognize that? Fathers, when you do what is right, you make such a difference for what goes on in your home. When you treat your wife with respect, you know, you you carry so much with what goes on in that home. You need to establish your authority in righteousness because that's how God does it. That's what he does. We can admit when we're wrong. We need to admit when we're wrong establish our authority in righteousness there's so much that you can apply towards that isn't it here's one i want to end with won't have time to go through everything here but probably end here see several verses <clears throat> equate the king one of the most beautiful pictures of god in scripture is the king as a lion He is like a lion. In other words, he rules supreme, and there's none that is powerful enough to challenge him. That's good when the lion is on your side, isn't it? (laughs) That's good when you belong to the lion. You belong to the Lord. In Proverbs 19, 12, it says this, A king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. So basically saying you want to be on his good side, right? You want to be on his good side. Proverbs 20, verse 2. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. He said, don't play with him. (laughs) He ain't nothing to play with. Don't play with that lion. He ain't no little kitty cat in Proverbs 30, verse 30, says this. The lion, three things are stately in their, in their tread. Four are stately in their stride. Verse 30, the lion, which is mightiest amongst beasts, and does not turn back before any. Lion is a picture of the king. It's a picture of the Lord himself. What a beautiful picture of the Lord as the lion, the one who is opposed by no one. But there's another beautiful picture in Scripture. Not only is our Lord the lion, Jesus is said to be the lion of the tribe of Judah, but in the same verse in in Revelation 19, verse 4 and 5, where he said to be the lion, he said to be the lamb. He's said to be the Lamb. The Lamb is the one who is defenseless, but who gives his life. He gives his life for his own. Jesus is a sacrifice. He's a Lamb of God who died for our sin, and yet he's a lion who will rule in complete righteousness. Proverbs is a beautiful picture to show us of God and his reign and his kingdom and how we need to submit to that we do well to do that because not only do we have the ferocious lion who is our king we have the gracious the loving lamb who gives his life for us worship him serve him turn your life to him accept Christ as your lord and savior live in wise ways take into consideration what his word says that you should be and how safe you are learn of him be comforted in who he is that you are on his side he protects he controls he loves you father we thank you for your goodness your grace your words of truth that bring comfort to us that motivate us into wise living We pray, Lord, that if anyone here today that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior, you'd open their eyes, let them see Christ, and come to trust Christ. And we pray, Lord, for those who are trusting in Christ, that you would generate a faithfulness in all of us that is based on us knowing who you are and trusting, relying on you. The many pictures that we see of you in Proverbs are beautiful pictures. They're very much different than what we see in our lives here on earth especially in wickedness and sin and the authority that's that's misguided but we look forward to your rule and we wait on you we trust in you may we be faithful until that time comes in jesus name we pray